God, we just want to thank you and praise you as you draw our hearts here today. Thank you for ministering to our hearts and our lives. Speak to our hearts today and all that you have in store. In Jesus' name I pray to God be the glory. And everyone said, Amen. I'm going to ask you to turn quickly to Matthew 25 because we're going to touch on a parable in here for literally two and a half minutes. Because it's not the crux of where we're going, but I just really feel like we need to be here just for a moment. We also find this parable in the book of Luke. But Matthew 25 is where we're going to land for a moment here. So as soon as you're there, let me hear you say amen, just so I know you're there. Verse 14. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another uh, he gave two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. That is a key word. What did we just say there? Each according to what? Their ability. But who gave them that ability? So it's all good. Does everybody understand that? Do you know that we live in a society today that tries to compare just how able each one of us are? And yet the issue is here. The issue is here. It's not comparison of ability. It's giving praise to the one who has given us the ability and using that ability. How many able people do we have sitting in the pews today? Now, if you're not raising your hand, I need to talk with you after service. How many able people? Come on, this is sometimes to get you a little involved because those of you who sit there thinking that your arm's too heavy to raise, come on, that's you. Able people all over the congregation, that's you. Then he went on his journey, and the man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, gained five bags more. Also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. The man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me the five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Who hopes to hear that one day? The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put in char- you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. I'm just going to ask you one more. Who wants to hear that one day? Come on now. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant, so you know that I, have har- I harvest where I have not sown or- and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him, give it to the one who has ten bags. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. I'm going to stop there. That's a mouthful to say this. That parable is not exclusively about money. That parable is not just about, oh, some people have even used what they called a, a figure of money back then was a talent. It's not your talents 
either. Oh, we all have talents. What I believe the Lord is speaking to here, in a broader sense, is your spiritual gifts. Every one of you have been gifted by God. Who believes that today? Every one of you have been gifted in some way or another. Some are uh, administrative gifts. Some are teaching gifts. Some are encouraging gifts. But then we step in even further. Some are gifts of faith, gifts of healing, words of knowledge. Some are tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those are all the gamut. We cannot have one and not have the other. Those are the gifts that have been given to us. But what is the purpose of our giftings? What is the purpose of our giftings? Is it to dig a hole in the ground, stick it in there to protect ourselves, or make it basically make it about who? Is our spiritual giftings and our talents and everything else you want to call it, is that for our own use? No, it's for God's use through us. And we have got to operate accordingly. We've got to. We've got to. See, I think far too many times we look at the things that we're good at and we call them spiritual gifts. I know a lot of people that's good at a lot of things, and some of those things I would not call a spiritual gift. Guys, I am good at eating. Amen? I am good at standing at the meat bar of any buffet. Amen? Okay, come on, men. Y'all know you do it. Unless your wife's standing next to you, then you can't do it. But, now there's some there's just things that just we are good at, but that doesn't necessarily make it a spiritual gift. What is it that God has placed within you? I'm going to ask again, how many here know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? How many here then are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Same hands ought to be up. Therefore, God has empowered you and gifted you to accomplish what He has set you out to do. And see, far too many of us, you say, oh, Dave, come on, far too many of us are digging a hole in the ground and putting our gift in it. And then hoping that when we get before the Lord in His presence, He's going to say, well done. Good job. Do you know what the Lord is interested in you doing? Using that spiritual gift to multiply and multiply and multiply the kingdom of God. I don't think anybody just heard that. That is, how many know that you are God's plan A? Oh, you're just not with me right now. How many know you are God's only plan? There's no plan B. You are the plan. I mean, I could have thought of some better plans than that, but, right? How many have thought, God, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? He knows. He has called us. And I'm speaking right now before I go any further. I'm going to speak into a few lives right now. There are a few of you here today that you know that God has called you, has gifted you with a spiritual gift. You are struggling with that because you don't see where you're being able to be used in it. Begin thanking Him. The door is about to open. Amen? Amen? Let Him. Don't. 
don't make this gift about you. Don't dig a hole in the ground and make it all about you. We want to be used to multiply this thing, right? As a matter of fact, let me, turn let, let me just cover here real fast some of the giftings we, we've got. You know, you don't have to turn here because I'm just going to be here. I'm going to land here just for a second. But, you know, spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 covers a whole lot. I know Romans does too. But uh, 1 Corinthians 12 covers a list of them. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. You know, right there, <laughs> we need to end comparisons within bodies of believers. We've got to stop this. Okay, so this church over here has 2,000. We've got 200. Well, they've got a 700. They've got a feeding ministry. They must be more spiritual than us because they have a feeding ministry. No, you know what? What has God called us to, even as individuals, walk it out? It's the greatest thing God could ever do through you. Stop comparing yourself to others and start letting God use you. Who hears that? Stop it. We sit around going, oh, that person is so much more spiritual than me. You know what? That's the reason you're not doing anything. Because you're looking at everybody else rather than looking at the one who has instilled a mighty gift in you. Oh, great work. Who here knows you're God's masterpiece? Now, oftentimes we say, oh, that's Ephesians 2.10. Yes, I'm God's masterpiece. But we sometimes use that to build ourselves up because we're feeling low that day. Oh, God, I'm so glad you love me. I don't understand. And that's awesome, but you have to understand when he says masterpiece, he's saying, hey, I'm taking hold of you, not just to build you up, but so you can get out there and do what I've created you to do and minister to the masses, even if the masses are one or two or three people. Amen? So what are some of these gifts? Again, I'm just going to touch, touch on them real, real fast. Here, here's a couple of them. To one, there's given a, a spirit of message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, interpretation of tongues. That's 1 Corinthians 12. We see other ones throughout the Scriptures. Teaching, um, evangelism. Um, exhortation, which is encouragement, administration. Oh, Lord, that is a gift I did not get. <laughs> Says the one who, no, I'm just. We are all gifted accordingly, and we are all on the level ground that he has placed us at. We're the ones that put the pastor up front. We're the ones that 400 years ago they had pulled, say, 75 feet high in the air and you had to look down and preach at everybody. God didn't say do that. Did he? You know, every once in a while there's a few bumpers in the road with the brethren that I don't always agree with, but there were certain things they did that totally made sense. They got rid of all that stuff. They didn't even have steps in the, pla- in the, in the sanctuary. Why? Because they didn't want anybody above another. Now, I could look like a spiritual John Wayne and say, that's why I preach from down here. But it's just a lot easier than running them steps because you know I'd be down here anyways. <laughs> Guys, we are all right here together, and God has called us, called us, called us, called us. 
And I can't emphasize it enough. He's called us. Turn in your Bible quickly, then we're just going to finish up in Thessalonians here, because just today, it was just some things that he's been speaking to me. So let's get into Thessalonians for just a little bit. I, I shared some of this with the men's group on Wednesday night. It just began to speak to my heart heavily. What does a person look like who's operating in their giftings? Well, you can only operate truly in your giftings if you're walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and, and you're in that, in, in that knowledge and, and being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's basically giving you your two Duracell AA batteries to empower that gift. Without the Holy Spirit, your gift sits there not working, just like a remote control without batteries, made for a purpose that it's not accomplishing. How many here want to be a battery-less remote control? And yet that's a lot of the church. I want to be a remote control that's got the batteries in it. It's going to last for two, three years. I want to be one of those that's just there and just keep going and keep going and keep going. Lord, empower the, empower the gifting within me. So we look here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. What does this spiritual gifting look like when we're walking it out? You know what it begins to do? People begin to take notice. Well, we, and, and that's not the point about making lifting ourselves up, but they take notice. See, the purpose of the spiritual gifts is to do two things. Encourage the brothers and sisters around us, encourage them, and also minister outwardly. Correct? Two things, two reasons for gifts. In here, out there. And really, it's all the same thing, but sometimes we just end up separating it. But what we do know is, as, as uh, Paul was writing to the church in Thessalonica, verse 4, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. That means they've got the batteries in the remote. With the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for, the, for, 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 the, um, for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. These guys said, life will not speak louder, truth will. I am going to be what God's called me to be and then the giftings He's called me to be in. And so you became a model to who? All who? All the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message did what? Rang out from you. Not only, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, um, not only from Ma in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known where? Everywhere. How does that happen? When you operate in your what? You start walking by faith and operating in your gifts, the whole world's going to know who you are. No, they're not going to know who you are. They're going to know about the faith within you. Quite honestly, we were sharing Wednesday night, I want to have famous faith. I don't want my name to be known. I want to have famous faith because famous faith always does what? Lifts up the one who you have faith in. Now, what does famous faith mean? It means you're, you're, a, you're a believer who really trusts the Lord. And you say, here I am, use me. Use me in my giftings that you've created me to be. I want the world to know. See, how many times do we go through... 
trying to learn the right way, let's say the right way to do evangelism. Anybody gone through evangelism classes before? Anybody? Okay. You go through these, and they teach you how to do it, and they inspire you until you walk, set, walk out the door, and then what happens? It was so easy when, when I was sitting there talking to my brother about it, but, but what happens when you're operating in a gift that has been given to you? It flows. I will tell you now, I'm not going to be touching on spiritual gifts one time today. This is something we have to begin looking at because as a body of believers, we are absolutely in major discipleship dysfunction if we don't know what our giftings are and we're not operating in them. Otherwise, we're just showing up on Sunday and talking a good game but not doing a whole heck of a lot outside. Right? So we need to dig in more. For those of you who aren't sure what your spiritual gift is, you know what? We'll pray with you. Start thanking the Lord. The Lord said in 1 Corinthians 13, says, look, thank me and ask me for the great gifts, the greatest gifts. Ask me for them. I'll give them to you. Why would the Lord want to hold back from you going to share the gospel, however he's created you to? Why would he hold back? What purpose does he get in that? You may be an encourager. You may be one who's compassionate. You may be one who the Lord leads you along to be a teacher. Let Him call you. Let Him empower you. Let Him move you and watch the multiplication start. Amen? Who wants to be a part of discipling lives? Who wants to be a part of seeing people come to know Christ? then the best way is to get locked into what God's created you to be in the first place. Stop trying to be everybody else. Because what happens is we just give up then and we just figure, well, it's for somebody else. It's for Pastor Dave to go do. I want you to envision, if you could, for me. What if there's a, uh, <laughs> what if there's some, uh, there's a football team and there's a serious issue in trying to... Uh, trying to pay all the players, and they don't seem really that interested, so they just get rid of all the players and pull all the coaches out onto the field and let the coaches play. Now, given that a lot of the coaches are what, 50, 60, 70 maybe, how would that look ultimately? What would that, what would that, ga that game look like? That would not be pretty. And yet I want you to imagine something. How many times over the decades and even centuries have congregations said, well, let the pastor do it? How many? Are you familiar with what I'm saying? Oh, brother, my, my, my nephew's uncle's cousin's wife's niece, she needs to know Jesus, so I'm scheduling an appointment for her to come see you. I have asked people before, have you shared him before bringing her to me or bringing him to me? Well, no. I just don't know what I would say. Well, what has the Lord done in your life? Oh, He's done such great things. I, he, he's ministered to me. He's, he's moved in me. He's set me free. He's healed my pain and my heart, my heartbreak. And Okay, why don't you start there? Now, I know, guys, that I've been harping big time on this discipleship thing, 
and the focus on the fact that we think we need to have knowledge above all else. No, you don't. You need Jesus above all else. Sharing Jesus with somebody is just introducing them like you would introduce somebody else to somebody else. I know Dave Thompson, and so I have no problem introducing Dave to somebody who does not know Dave. Would you? George, would you have a problem introducing your wife to somebody she doesn't know? It'd be easy, wouldn't it? This is my wife. Great cook. Love her dearly. She puts up with me, right? The latter, at least, yeah. Here she is, though. You know her, don't you? Well, how many here say, I know Jesus? Isn't it the same thing? Oh, but I've only known him for like 32 minutes. Great. You know him longer than some other people. Right? Anybody remember what we talked about a couple weeks ago? The, the, the guy who had just been delivered from a demon, wanted to follow Jesus, and what did Jesus say? Go home and tell your family, look what the Lord has done. Right? I want famous faith. And my famous faith comes from me trusting in the Lord and allowing those spiritual gifts to begin flowing through me. And, and, and this is the cool part. And, and we're going to kind of, this, this is kind of where we're going to end here. And I love this because it really brought it all back to me here regarding this whole issue of operating in our gifts, operating as uh, players on a field, if you will, as, in football. Look here real quick with me. Move to the end of 1 Thessalonians into chapter 5 and check this out real quick. Check this out real quick. Uh, look at verse 14. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are what? Idle and disruptive. Some translations say unruly. That Greek word is the word atakis. That is actually a military term. And this completely opened my, my mind up to some things here. It's a military term, and it means this. It means you are not in the proper formation. In fact, you are not where you are supposed to be on the battlefield. How many know in football, everybody needs to be where everybody needs to be or the play is sunk? Okay, this side knows it. Over here, how many know in football... If you're not where you're supposed to be, the place sunk. We know that, right? We know that. Oh, it's Riverheads people over here. That's what it is. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Aaron. Funny thing is, Aaron's got kids in all the other schools, but he never has let down on Riverheads, ever. That's all right. He'll be going into heaven. Lord, I'm getting into heaven because of Jesus, and it probably helps. I went to Riverheads. Is that what you're going to say? You are a diehard fan, my friend. Guys, it's the same way with, 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 with the believers in the world. If you're not in position, the play is going to flop. It's going to crash. 
Just like we have a quarterback here, and we have the tackles here, we got the center here, we got receivers here, and we got backs over here. We've got them in place where they're supposed to go. The coach goes over and over and over again. You know what? We have the Holy Spirit who tells us where to be, what to do, and then empowers us to do it. And if we are not in position, how in the world then can we sit around and say, why aren't we seeing anybody changed by the gospel? Who are the vessels of the good news? Who are the ministers of the gospel? Who are the bearers of God's image in this world? Who is the light of the world? Well, Jesus is, but also by default because He's in us. Guys, we are these things. And so what happens here is Paul's saying, look, don't be idle and disruptive. The moment you think that you can take your, your spiritual gift, you can do whatever you want, sit back, dig a hole in the ground, and do whatever you want to take care of yourself, is the moment you become disruptive to the plan that he has put forth. You've become idle, and you've brought disruption. We were just back in membership and baptism class today, and uh, we were talking about the church. And we need to look at it again. The church has been defined wrongly. The church is not a building, and church is not from 1045 to 1215 on Sunday mornings. The church is the body of believers in formation according to their spiritual gifts, growing in Jesus, Holy Spirit teaching them and equipping them and empowering them, and they are moving forward and setting foot outside of the meeting house after they have encouraged one another to go out there and be light in the darkness, to be good news in the midst of a whole bunch of bad. What have you been called to do? I will assure you now, as your pastor, you have not been called to sit in here on a Sunday morning and receive and then go home the rest of the week and do nothing with it. I assure you, I assure you, because this goes all the way back to the talents. I skipped the very last verse of that parable. What do we know that happened to that gentleman? He was cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. When we make what we call church, when we make what we call Christianity about ourselves, okay, we don't know the Lord. We don't. You say, uh oh, got quiet here. I'm being serious. When self is on the throne, Jesus is not. Amen? Now, we're all growing, right? Absolutely. But when self is on the throne, Jesus is not. And I love here what Paul said in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He said this. Check this out. This is 19 and 20 of chapter 2. For what is our hope? our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when He comes. He's saying, what is it? 
What am I, what, what's going to bring this crown of, of rejoicing? What, what is our hope? What, what, is, what is going to be so awesome that I get to share in His presence on His coming, on His return? He goes on to say, you, Thessalonica, you are our glory and joy. What all does that mean? There is a crown coming for every person who chooses others above themselves. There is a crown of rejoicing that is coming to those who say, look, people going to hell doesn't cut it for me. Do we not like to hear a message like this? People going to hell does not cut it for me. I love people. Oh, they annoy the tar out of me sometimes. And I can annoy them too. But going to hell is not going to cut it. I will not be found having buried what God filled me up with and let somebody else go to hell because I refused to let it multiply in me. I refuse. And you say, well, that's kind of rough. You better believe it. People's lives matter. People matter. I can't even fathom how many times I've said I can't stand people. And how many times I've said that out of my frustrations, and the Lord brings more and more conviction to me, you better be careful. I heard someone say the other day, they were upset about somebody, and they called them, they said, that person's just trash. Oh, this thing rose up in me. It wasn't necessarily all Dave's all high and mighty. I thought, no, they're not. That's what the enemy wants us to believe. Then it shuts us as believers down. Man, my joy is in seeing a brother or sister or a person come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and then disciple them and see them transformed and see them lead other people to Christ. Amen? I don't want to live in a church. I don't want to live in a land where the body of believers is known for what they're against, but what they're for and who they're for. And I'm going to tell you right now, Sister Pat, I'm for you just like Jesus is. Tim, I'm for you, like Jesus is. Wenda, I'm for you. Wade, I'm for you. Mark, I'm for you. I better get a lady here. Sonia, I'm for you. I'm for you. Now, there are days I don't feel like being for you, just like you are with others. But Jesus in me says, I love you. And what a joy it's been to watch you grow in him. And boy, what a joy it'll be for you to watch the Lord use you in the lives of others. Amen? So, there is no retiring from ministry. There is no stepping back from ministry. When you said yes to Jesus, he was committed to you for life. How about you be committed to Him for life and be committed to the ministry He's called you to for life? Did anybody just hear that? That's what we're called to. Oh, this is hard. That's hard. Most of what we're exhausted by is the stuff we've put on ourselves, busyness-wise.
The Lord wants to do some great things through us. Right, Teresa Beard? I just saw you and I thought the Lord wants you. The Lord's about to open a door for you, sister. He's about to open a door. Be ready. Thank him. Thank him. Mm. The prayer we pray every morning before we go, the kids get off the bus at school, whether I want to wring their necks or not, you know. Hey, I'm just honest with you guys, you know. It's just the reality of it is what it is. Our flesh gets in the way too much. But we do pray this, Lord. I thank you for the opportunities to be loved and to love others. Thank you for every opportunity today to be loved and to love others in every situation. Because, Lord, our crown of rejoicing is going to come when we stand before you and we see out of the corner of our eye, oh, my gosh, there's that guy that I had an opportunity to share Jesus with. He's here. He's here. And look who he's got with him, people he led. And look, look, look. Jesus, I thank you that you have gifted each of us. I hope that this morning we're just getting a little bit of a hunger for, Lord, if I don't already know what you've called me to and the giftings you're using in me, then, Lord, I'm going to thank you for revealing those to me that I may walk out, that I may be in the position that you have called me to be, that as I run this race you've laid out before me, I'd be right where I'm supposed to be, not being found idle and disruptive, but, Lord, running out as you've empowered me to be. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I get to be a co-worker with you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I get to share truth with others. Thank you, Lord Jesus, your truth sets others free. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for freedom. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, I just pray right now, and outpouring over every person here, that they would begin receiving what it is that you've been saying to them all along. I do know that there's a couple people here. It's just heavy on my heart. I'm just, again, to affirm to you, doors are opening for you. Do not shut down on what the Lord has called you to. The rest of you, just be thanking the Lord. Thank you for every opportunity. Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory for you deserve it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I'd love for you to stand right where you are. And I know we greeted at the beginning, but I want you to go find somebody. I want you to go love them and encourage them. You may not even know who they are, but just encourage them. God loves you. He's got mighty things for you. Go in the peace of the Lord.